Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Chevy, a dozen National Football League regular season 2012 weeks are in the book. We are getting set for week number 13, and what a way to kick it off. NFL Network's Thursday night football coverage returns from a Thanksgiving week hiatus to kick off week number 13 with the rematch between the NFC South Sluggers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Atlanta Falcons. We all know that the Saints handed the Falcons their only loss of the season just a couple of weeks ago, and a little bit of smack talk went down after that game. Roddy White saying that the team... That won the game, basically, in a way, had it handed to them that the Falcons lost the game, not because of what the Saints did, but because of what the Falcons could not do. That is the stage that is set as the Saints come in desperate at 5-6, and six, missing on the golden opportunity to finally get above five hundred last week and get into a playoff seeding position through 12 weeks. Instead of being the 6th seed, they enter week number 13 as the, tw- uh, the 11th seed in the NFC playoff picture. That is what is at stake to kick off week number 13. Good to see you, Chris Law. Good Rich, to good to you. see you. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. Rich, how are you, buddy? Again, major kudos to you about uh, last week's Thanksgiving special Thank telecast. It looked great. Same to you, Chris Law. You're welcome. And uh, we are pleased to also have, joining us on this podcast, the uh, information man of the National Football League Network, Extraordinaire, the man who gives us the front office view on NFL game day morning every Sunday after spending two stellar hours on first on the field. Michael Lombardi, good to speak with you, sir. Thank you, Rich. It's good to be here. Appreciate all the help. Uh, uh, thank you for the picture. I haven't properly thanked you for my new picture. Well, no, you, you listen, uh, I'm a, my nickname on game day morning from Marshall Falk and everyone else is the squeaky wheel. Yes. Okay, because I squeak a lot, and uh, I squeak until I get the grease. I'm still trying uh, on affecting change on Matt Ryan's nickname from Matty Ice to the Matural, which weeks ago he gave me the go-ahead to attempt and try and make stick in time for this very game for Week 13, and I applied that same stick to your photograph that was placed photoshopped in the first on the field promo. You've lost all this weight, Lombo. They, they had you. They had you the the pre weight loss. We couldn't have. Well, that. I appreciate that. It was very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm dedicated. I'm trying to continue this pattern. It feels a lot better after that trip to Italy. Did me in. When they take blood and cheese out of your veins, uh, <laughs> you know, wine and cheese, you, you have to do something. They literally removed a block of, uh, I guess, a block of mozzarella from your right. from your system. Exactly, and, and a lot of prosciutto. A lot of prosciutto, a lot of mozzarella, um, and Lombo. So, how much weight have you lost? How much have you lost? I, I think I'm, you, you know, my goal was to get to 200 by Thanksgiving, and I and I am there, and so now I've got like five more to You're go. You're there? 
Yeah, I got there. I started back in July 24th when we were covering jet practices on a continual basis, and Rex Ryan, Paul Burmeister, (laughs) July 24th, every time Rex spoke, we were right there, and we watched all of Tim Tebow's passes hit the ground. Yeah. So it was just a delightful summer. So so that... That made you want to purge? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I mean, that was the motivation. I mean, every morning I came to work, my stomach was nauseous, so I didn't have to eat. It. It was the uh, thing. Do we start there? Do we start with this first ever uh, uh, NFL scoop and score butt fumble? <laughs> do we start with that? And Fireman Ed uh, oh, leaving at halftime? And, 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 and you know when a self-promotional person cancels his Twitter account, you know he means business. You know he means business, Mike. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Fireman Ed's been, uh, you know, I, I mean, even he's disgusted with his team. I don't think he could take the abuse on Twitter uh, from all sorts mm-hmm. of sides. And, look, that's what, the, that's what happens. I think when your head coach is, is so boisterous and so braggadocious that it becomes a real problem. And I think everybody else pays a price for it. He does, he, I don't think he remembers what he says because the standard line, I love when Sterling on, on first on the field in the morning always says to me, you know, the Jets had a good week of practice because that came from those – inside training <sighs> days where with every day Rex would tell us they had a great practice so we started it well what what comes of the Jets do you believe um, because we were all talking about the Tebow Sanchez experiment and none of us saw coming the fact that Tim Tebow would hardly play a lick um, what do you think that is do you think that that Rex just doesn't think he can play football well, I think this team's not set up for Tebow, and, and here's why. I think Tebow requires you to have a, a, a really good receiver's core, a, a running back that can gain tough yards, and a defense that can play pretty good. Because if the game gets away from you, and let's say the game slips and Tebow has to play from behind, his passing game, Ackerman, isn't enough. So we all know the trick plays. I mean, you talk about the overreaction of Brad Smith. I mean, they let Brad Smith go to Buffalo, and they've got Tim Tebow to replace the Brad Smith role. They're still overreacting to it. So the team's not set up. The team's old on defense. The team's not as good on defense as they've been in the past. In fact, the team has gotten worse over three years, and I think that's ultimately the core issue with the Jets. They're not a talented football team in spite of what Rex says. So Woody Johnson, when uh, the season ends on December 31st, the day after the Jets' season finale on the 30th of December, what do you think happens? I think I, don't, I think status quo will stay in, in New York. I think they'll. I think there's a good chance. You know, look, they play Arizona this week. They have Jacksonville. They have some winnable games even for the Jets. I think they'll win enough to be able to keep their jobs. So no changes in no. New York City. Tebow stays. Uh, well, he's guaranteed money next year, uh, you know, about $1.4 million, which isn't a lot. I don't think there will be a trade market for him. Uh, so I think they're going to have to deal with it. Now, do I think there will be changes in, their, in the staff? I could see that. I could see them making some offensive changes because the Tony Sperano offense doesn't seem to be working for anyone. But the Jets are locked in. I mean, they've got a guaranteed contract to David Harris. They have guaranteed contracts to, to Santonio Holmes, to Mark Sanchez. The core players are going to come back, and they're going to be there. And so, while we continue some post-mortems here, um, Andy Reid in Philadelphia, the, it, it is remarkable how rock bottom they have hit. Once upon a time, 3-1. and one, They are now 16 out of 16 in the NFC, Michael, with that loss to equally 3-8 and eight Carolina. They're in dead last yeah, and, and in you can make a stronger argument, Rich, that they could be 0-11. Because of all those turnovers could have gone in well, a different way in the first well, four games. Well, if L.J. Ford catches the ball in the end zone against Cleveland, that game's over. You know, he drops it in the end zone, and, and, and the next play they throw the touchdown pass. Uh, if 
if Joe Flacco is able to convert a second and two, which he doesn't end up doing on fourth and two, they're going to get in field goal range. And if Lawrence Tynes makes a long field goal, this team's closer to 0-11 than they are being, say, 5-6. and six. And so I think you have, when you're that bad, I think you have to look at the talent level of your team. You've got some really good players, but you also have some huge areas where you get some huge concerns, and they haven't played well all season. And Andy, you know, went into the season believing that that the team would be come together, it would be better because the locker room seemed to be uh, happier, and they'd redid some contracts, and they had a good flow. But I think they misevaluated their talent level. They did last year when they were eight and eight, and I think they did this well this year. Well, uh, hopefully. Jeff Lurie just lets Andy Reid go on December 31st so he could make a clean break and just say 2012 was a nightmare year for him personally and professionally and can just move on in 2013 and and move forward because Philadelphia uh, does the general manager I know he he, he just re-signed with the whole Howie Joe Banner Roseman thing will be the GM and he and he sits next to Jeff Loria at the games anytime the GM sits next to the owner on game day I don't think he's going anywhere aha uh-huh. so okay so does that mean you sat next to Al Davis is that what that no, means that would be the last place I would have sat. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the last place I would have sat now, there was a thing called cell phone so you're always available to get yelled at via the cell phone however I was smarter than that my Hofstra education told me not to sit there and nor was I invited to sit there thankfully you know what when my first combine that we covered for NFL Network uh, I saw Al Davis sitting next to um, Gil Brandt and Parcells they all sat next to one another right at the start of the 40-yard dash line this was in uh, the RCA Dome and 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 apparently I was told right from the get-go that that is where they sat Gil Brandt and Al Davis forever in the history of the combine. They sat right at the beginning of the 40, and Parcells was sitting right next to him too. And other coaches just gave him their space. Like Holmgren sort of walked over to him and said hi for a little bit, then walked away. And I just thought, as just a newbie at the combine, maybe I should have just pulled up a seat next to him. Hey, just started talking my head off. You know? How was your flight, Mr. Davis? You know, like just barging in there. He would have said, no, "I don't think you need to be here." But the the, the other thing it was, it was a little bit like Vatican City. There was only there was security around there, and you were invited to come in. You were never allowed. That's in. Right. So you, so Vatican you would, City. You would see like people come in. Like he would see, you know, Ron Wolf would make an appearance, and then he'd be gone. You know, sometimes I'd get called to the principal's office, and then I'd be gone. And then sometimes, you know, you would see other coaches that were in the circle come in, and then they would be gone. And never would there be a stray cat because. Vatican City never allows. That's a, that's right. So it's an audience, basically. You had an audience, yeah, exactly, with them. Oh man. So so Philly uh, Andy Reid is is gone. Correct. That is that is uh, you know, no I, question. I think there's so much there's so much mutual respect between Andy Reid and Corey that this thing has to be handled delicately, and it's important to to let Andy go out bow out gracefully. And I think that's we all know the end result here, but there has to be some decorum. And I think right now. The Eagles, you know, easily could have, when they were down 14-3 to on Monday night, they could have easily packed it in and said no. No, there's no question about that, uh, Lombo. So but, I mean, they, just talk talk about the, the, the length of time he's been there and the fatigue between the fans and the team and what he stands for and, you know, and, and who he is. I mean, he's going to get another job somewhere, I'm sure. But it's just Philadelphia needs a new a new a new way to go. Yeah, you know, you, you, they need a new spark, and and they, and you know, and you, look, it's not going to be a pleasant trip to Dunkin' Donuts until this happens. <laughs> so you know, for me, it's not, and you you can't run the Wawa because, as you know, here the there's Wawa. You know, well, you're naming places that you don't frequent anymore, Michael. Well, now no, that you're down I to two bills. Get coffee, though, Rich, and I, I need the coffee. But- <laughs> 
the, 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 the thing is, is it's on everybody's mind. And with the Sixers and Andrew Bynum, the, the Lakers traded damaged goods to the Sixers. Oh, There's no story you're bitter. There. I know. There's no hockey here in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, college basketball is, is a little slow. So these poor fans here are just, they, they want some action, and they'll take anything at all. Didn't Carlos Ruiz just get busted for PEDs, 25 games for the is, Phillies? Is that right? He might have. I I I, I haven't read the, I haven't read that part. Thumb I don't go to the pulse. baseball pages. Your yeah, your thumb is on the pulse, Brockman, <laughs> no doubt. So so who where where do you see job openings at the end of the season as we're currently well, entering December here? I think there's so much up in the air. I th- I think you know what's going to happen in, in Jacksonville is Gene Smith, the general manager, is he going to keep his job? And if that happens, Gene Smith was hired by Michael Lomb- Mike Mike uh, Gene Smith hired Mike Malarkey. Mm. So therefore. Does Malarkey keep his job going into year two? Now, Chad Henney gives him a little boost here. You know, we know the Blaine Gabbard administration wasn't very good. Well, that's on Gene Smith then. Exactly. So where that goes, you know. And so I think that's one of those where where we really don't know until the season ends. I think Buffalo's another situation. Where is it going to go once the season What ends? a mess with the whole Stevie Johnson saying that uh, let the quarterback call the plays, and then I didn't really say that. And Chan Gailey has got to stand up there in front of the media and saying, I'm – you know, this is the way I call play. I mean, what a mess, man. What a total mess for Stevie Johnson to say something like that in public. Yeah, I know you try to back away from it, but, I mean, he said what he said. Yeah, you know, and, and you can never back away from it. I mean, you have to. So, you know, Buffalo, you know, what's going to happen up there? Buddy Nix, they've talked about Doug Watley becoming the GM at some point up there. Will they make that change? What about Kansas City, Lombo? I, I think there is all tied to to whether what happens with Scott Pioli. I mean, if Scott Pioli is no longer there, then I could see them making a coaching change. But if Scott Pioli is there, he only has one year left on his contract. Is that how you want to go about rebuilding the team? And then they're going to have the first pick in the draft pretty surely. Is do you want Scott to make that pick? If you do, then certainly give him a contract extension. I think that pick is so important. You wouldn't want to do it unless you gave him an extension. And if you don't want him to make the pick, then he should probably remove him, and then you'll see constant change there. Wow. Because they are going to be first on the clock, I think. Oh, I, I think there's a pretty sure bet of that. I, I, don't, I mean, the Cleveland game next week against them, uh, Cleveland's got three wins. Kansas City, could they beat Cleveland? Sure, they could beat Cleveland. Well, now the question is, what does Joe Banner do there? Do you keep Pat Shermer sitting there? Well, I think I think Jim, Joe Banner, Jimmy Haslam, I think they're all just waiting to see. I think the next five games are going to really demonstrate what the direction and the course and the path of these teams, how they're playing, what they look like moving forward, and how it goes. Was the fourth and 29 as Ray Rice is dashing for the first down, was he hammering the nail in North Turner's coffin as he was yeah, uh, picking know, up that I, first know, down? I, I love North to death, and it just feels so un- it's so unfortunate for him. I mean, what a play to throw a check down and get beat fourth and twenty nine. He's twenty four to nothing lead at halftime against Denver, and then he blows that. And in this game, so I think there is changes coming. We all know it, San Diego's a lot like Philadelphia. You know, the owners went out of their way to say if they don't win, changes are going to happen, and I think we know this. Is that A.J. Smith, too? That one I'm not sure of. You know, I'm not sure where the owner decides to make his decision and who he probably tries to hire. Let me tell you, Lombo, I mean, I know a lot of Chiefs fans and a lot of Charger fans. If those two GMs stay put, fans are going to be really upset. I mean, really upset. And I I don't know how you affect change if – and as again, I, I've, Pioli's a, a good dude. I've met him. You know, obviously there's some who have a different opinion of him, but I, I, I hate to say it. I mean, the Chiefs have a Twitter account. There's six figures of people, you know, who are protesting with their tweets. Yeah, in fact, I how how could Clark Hunt, you know, say, all right, you know what? 
you're one and fifteen or you're two and fourteen. We've got the first overall pick. Here's an extension. Try again. I mean, that's well, going to be really know, tough to to sell I, that. I think you know, Rich. From my viewpoint, you know, if you've been given four years of complete authority, which Scott has, and you have complete authority, there's no there's no debating on the authority. And uh, you have four years. You're going to be valued on what you've done in those four years. And I think that that, that is enough of a, of a timetable to be able to judge. Scott's – any general manager that walks into their job currently, they have two decisions to make, and they're the most critical decisions. Who's my quarterback and who's my coach? It's not, it's not about who you're picking in the fourth round. It's not about who you get in round two. It, it really comes down to those two decisions. And if you hit with those two decisions, all of a sudden things start to come into place. And, and I think that's really where Scott has to be able to sell. You know, when he looks at himself, it's Matt Castle, Todd Haley, that was what I went with. It hasn't worked out. I'm trying to manage it. And you, when, you, when you don't hit on that, you're always managing from behind. Is there a college talent that's sitting out there that can turn the Chiefs into – this year's Colts and Redskins in 2013. I don't think a college player that'll be able to do that. I don't. I don't think there's a college mm. quarterback that I've seen so far this year, and it's not Matt Barkley. You know, I think Matt Barkley is, is looks like he's a good player in a system, but I'm not sure you could sit there and say, "Boy, this guy's going to turn my franchise around." He'll you know, Dude, the first pick of the draft. You, if Pioli stays and uses the pick to choose a quarterback from Matt Castle's alma mater, I think they would storm Arrowhead with pitchforks yeah. and torches on the spot. Yeah, uh, on the spot. <laughs> he might have to build that like that town you and I both love called Siena. He might have to live in a house yes. like in Siena. Yes, they'll turn him into a, the Pinocchio the, there in Siena. Oh, my goodness gracious. What about Tennessee? I mean, they fire an offensive coordinator in the thanks, wait, Thanksgiving I, I, week. What does that mean? I think the owner really genuinely likes Mike uh, Munchak, and I, and I could see the change of staff being the cure there. I think both coordinators will obviously – Chris Palmer's gone. Jerry Gray could be in some trouble there. I don't think Mike Munchak will get fired because I think now all of a sudden you're changing everything. Rustin Webster is the new general manager. Uh, so I, I get the sense that you'll see some cosmetic changes in, in Tennessee. I'm not sure you're going to get the full, you know, let's start all over again. What about Arizona? That's a hard one for me to predict because Arizona, you know, the front office gave him Kevin Cobb, and we, we knew how that worked out. And there's no quarterback there. So I don't know what you want Ken to do, really. I think it becomes a problem. Does Rod Gray's lose his job? I don't think so. So that one's up in the air for me. I really don't have a handle on that one. How do they fix a quarterback position? If you say well, that there's not a kid from college, although you never know. There could be a third-round type Russell Wilson-type kid out there. I don't know. Well, but, but you know, look, look, let's go through it. Jacksonville's gonna, Jacksonville needs a quarterback. You know, Kansas City needs a quarterback. There's so many teams that. that well, that's why because they, they're at the bottom Arizona. of the. At, they're, they're, that's why they're at the bottom of the pack, right? Right, and so Buffalo. You could even say Buffalo. I know. You know, Cleveland's uh, talking about. Hey, if if Whedon's not good enough, they uh, may need a quarterback. You know, when you when you damn. look at when you look at all the numerical data, you can be excited about Brandon Whedon's arm. You can be excited about his prospects, but all the numbers. When you go to the ESPN QBR rating, or you look at any of those, he's at the bottom of the list. Is it? Would it be He's pa- below Sanchez? Wow, that, yeah, no, it's a, that's a wow. I mean, is there a chance Jim Schwartz has an issue? He just got extended this past summer, so I, not I, so much. I, I think Jim Schwartz is fine. I think you know they they need to fix some things with their football team as opposed to start. I mean, there's two issues owners have to decide. Can I fix what I have, and is it the right direction, or do I need to start over? i got to tell you, Lombo, I tweeted this out uh, on Wednesday uh, afternoon that the foot control problem that concerns me most about Indomitian Sue is the one he apparently has behind the wheel of a car. 
Yeah. I mean, we could talk about, oh, he stomped one guy on Thanksgiving and, oh, you know, he he kicked Matt Schaub or he didn't, you know, even though he said he didn't and the league didn't think he did it, they still did fine him $30,000, which is leaving a lot of people's heads scratching. Either either he did target the Schaub's nether regions or he didn't. But the, yeah. but the bottom line, but all this stuff that you read about, you know, blowing by people in the right lane and speeding and, and the police having to ticket him. Like, what's he thinking? What are you doing? What yeah, are you I, doing I, out there behind the wheel I, of a car like that? What are you I thinking? Don't know how the league, I don't know how the league could find him when they really weren't sure what he did. I don't understand that. I, you know, and I, and I agree. I think these players that get behind the car are ridiculous. What are you doing? That's a reputation fine, though, right? Yeah, I think so, yes. But uh, can't the PA fight that? You can't find someone for their reputation. I mean, you, know, you can't. I, I would think he w- I mean, I don't know how you could look. You, I don't know how you can make the argument that he did it intentionally. I, you could say you see it there. I can't. You know, I could see, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to think that way. I, I, don't, I don't know how he can get fined for that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, it's a reputation. Let's let's talk uh, briefly about that. Well, that's uh, while well, I got you the teams that are in the playoff hunt. Um, starting with San Francisco, eight two and one. We are chatting about a half an hour after uh, Jim Harbaugh said Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is starting in the uh, in St. Louis this week. I mean, wh- why is this? Why is this? Tell me why this is a week to week thing that he's saying Colin's got the hot hand because well, how you can't put this genie back in the bottle, man. I mean, the well, only way I, Smith's getting back there is if Colin Kaepernick is hurt, right? Well, I think that Jim's – look, I think you have to really break this down. The, the offense of San Francisco is very quarterback-friendly. And I think Jim's of the – I mean, any quarterback Jim has coached, going back to the University of San Diego, has been successful. And, and Jim has a unique way, and I think part of it goes to his staff with Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, uh, Johnny Morton, the, the, the wide receiver coach, this Tom – Tom Rathman, Mike Solari, this is a really good staff. They're a challenge offensively. And I get the sense that what Jim's doing is is giving Kaepernick the reps he needs because I think he believes to beat Green Bay, to beat the New York Giants, which he beat Green Bay this year, but to beat the New York Giants to get to the Super Bowl, he's going to need Kaepernick's play at quarterback. And I think that's what's motivating the decision, nothing more, nothing less. I think it's a big picture, not a game-to-game decision. Hot hand notwithstanding, I don't think – that you're doing this just because it's the hot hand. I think it's a bigger issue. Well, that's what he's saying. So, so then, so he is too smart. I mean, and plus, I mean, he's, he's learned from the best. I mean, he's got the DNA mix at the coaching, uh, and the coaching mindset of, I mean, think about the hybrid, his dad, Bo, Ditka, all of these guys that he's been exposed to in his career, um, you know, in his Indianapolis days too. Um, so what do you think he's doing by saying the hot hand? What does that mean? Well, I, I think he feels comfortable with, with the way the game has gone the last couple of weeks. They've been he more should. explosive offensively than with, with uh, Colin. I think Colin presents a different set of problems to the defenses. And, uh, you know, and Colin has played to a higher level than anyone has seen him play. I mean, before he started against the Bears, he was a runner, not a thrower. And now he came out and he's throwing it, and he's throwing it really well. He's looking good. He really is. He, he seems to that the game is slower for him they, than before. Really good, and they have a really good scheme of football they do. that allows him to be successful. What a great it's defense. It's not just about running the football. It's about being able to give him good reads, and he throws the ball. I, I think it's a, it's a tribute to their offensive staff. Yeah, one of my favorite shots in the sideline this past week from the Saints-Niners game was Randy Moss chatting with Kaepernick and you could see uh Moss being animated but excited animated you know using his uh his hand signals too like essentially like 
uh, sort of like you could read in the subtext if there were subtitles. It's like I can work with this guy. I can yeah. work with like you saw again. I, that's what fans sometimes do. You read in a body language that doesn't isn't there, but that's you know what you go by when you watch this stuff from afar. You could see that, and, and I think even Chris Carter said that that uh, the wide receiver room is probably really happy in San Francisco right now. Right, and and I think you know from watching the game and studying this tape, you you really believe that this is about beating the New York Giants, because Kaepernick's ability to move in the pocket to get away from those four rushers in New York is rare, and and I think this is what it's about. I think it's about the bigger issue, dude. Does he think he can go into St. Louis and win with Alex Smith? Yes, I think there's no question. Does he think he can go and play Seattle and beat him? Yes, he can, because they're so good on defense. But I think to make himself an elite, I think he's got to at least see. How elite Kyle Brand, uh, how elite Kyle Kaepernick can be. Now Atlanta is going to win the NFC South. We know that, and San Francisco is going to win uh, the NFC West unless there's a major Colin Kaepernick meltdown, which would cause a major Alex Smith conflagration. That would be a disaster. I don't see that happening. Not with that defense. Not with any of that uh, offense. The way that they're playing with Kaepernick right now, and I don't see this being derailed in St. Louis this week either. What about the NFC North? Where do you see this shaping up? Uh, I think everybody saw from Minnesota last week that they're not truly ready for prime time just yet, that it's going to be a Bears-Packers showdown. How do you see this playing out over the final five weeks, Lombo? I think it's the Bears. I think it's the Bears and the Packers. Now, the Packers got to get healthy. I think the Packers have to get healthy. I think the concern with the Packers is their offensive line. Is it going to be good enough to be able to handle the good defensive fronts? Can they beat Green Bay? I mean, can they beat San Francisco and can they beat the New York Giants? Both dominant defensive fronts. And they haven't been able to do it when they had Belaga in the game. Can they do it now? I think the concern, if you're Green Bay, is are we going to be good enough offensively to handle it? And can we rush the passer besides Clay Matthews? We draft Nick Perry in the first round to help us. He gets injured. We don't have him. We really are going to need – I mean, Charles Woodson, they miss him completely. But they seem to overcome that. The rush is what really most critical. And I think for Green Bay, they're a playoff team, but can they go far into the playoffs unless they get that offensive line handled, I think is the concern. And then I think, you know, obviously Chicago. If Cutler can stay on his two feet, which will be a challenge this week against the Seattle front that rushes extremely well, you know, then they're going to be a playoff team. Minnesota, to me, doesn't have enough offense. Minnesota can beat the Jacksonvilles even though they lost to them. I mean, they can beat the the bad teams in the league. I don't know if they can beat the really good teams, especially I don't think they have enough offense. So I, I don't see Minnesota really challenging. This week going to Green Bay, they're not going to be able to keep pace with the Green Bay offensively. Christian Ponder's playing really poorly right now, and unless they can get better play out of the quarterback, I don't see it. Yeah, what do they do with that quarterback spot? Is it, is well, that, it do, do they turn to Joe Webb? I mean, if the Niners are turning to Colin Kaepernick, I mean, why why not Joe Webb? Is he just not equipped, you don't think, or what? Well, I, well look, there, there, there's what I call the agenda in football. We had it at Oakland. When you pick a player, regardless of who's behind them, the agenda allows that player to play. And Christian Ponder was picked by the organization. He's their future, not Joe Webb, even though Joe Webb was a draft choice. You're going to have to allow Christian Ponder to really fail miserably. And, you know, there's been moments where you said, boy, I think we're okay. But lately there hasn't been moments. He's become the king of the check down he's not making throws up the field and it's got to be alarming if you're minnesota there's now you could say if you're a christian ponder fan boy his weapons you know he doesn't have percy harvin there's not an outside receiver jerome simpson's not making plays you could make all those arguments and certainly you could be valid in making them but you, you sometimes as we've seen with chad henney in jacksonville sometimes the quarterback 
makes the receivers better. Not all, not just always the receiver make, makes makes everything better. And the the Giants fans can come off the uh, the edge of the George Washington Bridge right now after what we saw on Sunday night. But here comes RG three. Lombo, have you ever seen anything like this, kid? I mean, no, seriously. There's no, been a lot remarkable. of hyperbole here, but seriously. He's really and he's incredible in the way he is able to do the things that that the that are extraordinary in terms of running the football well, getting up from a tough hit, and then being able to run the option and, and command and have the leadership and the maturity. I mean, you watch his press conferences after a game, and he's really as impressive as anybody. I mean, he's he understands what it what, what – being a quarterback in the NFL is about something Jamarcus Russell never could understand. <laughs> you know, he's accepted the responsibility of what it takes to be one, and a lot of guys don't. Rich, I mean, it's it's surprising, but a lot of guys get burdened by that responsibility, and he's embracing it. Especially when you have big stages and you perform on them, and you exceed expectations on them, and make it look easy, and have a joyous time that translates through the television and throughout the stadium. At the same time. And what he has the ability to do right here, Michael, is throw for four touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles one week, four touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys the next week on Thanksgiving, the beachfront property of Sea to Shining Sea seeing him. And then if he throws for four touchdowns on Monday night football against the Giants, completing the trifecta against each and every single one of the teams he must beat more often than not throughout his career, that would be stunning. Yeah. And you cannot put it past him that he's not going to do it in week no, 13. I, I think he certainly could. And, and, what know, a stage is set for him. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, no one's mentioned how much they paid for that they paid for the to get him. No one's mentioned that because you can't overpay for greatness. You can't over you can't overpay for greatness, which they'd have it. And, and the fact that Kyle Shanahan has done an incredible job of not making him play within the, the the Kyle Shanahan, Washington Redskins offense, but developing an offense specifically for what he does well. I think that cannot be understated. I think when you look at San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, that's what they're doing. When you look at Washington and you see what they're doing offensively, this whole stereotype of we're running the West Coast offense, to me, is really lost its edge in the NFL because you have to tailor the offense based on what the colleges are giving us and what the quarterbacks are doing and modify your offense around that. I think we saw it Monday night. They took away from Cam Newton. They Less of Cam Newton meant more of Cam Newton. They're tailoring it back. That's what you have to do. I think this classification of offense is probably wrong. I think Christian Ponder needs to try to find a way to come up with things he can do well. But for RG3, Kyle Shanahan has found that message and he's delivered. Well, and, and um, you know, I mentioned this on the podcast last week that Les Snead may be the general manager of the year, but he did not get enough for him. <laughs> and I told that to uh, Mrs. Snead, and she's like, I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, he he did a great job. I, I think the the, the – you know, I think they, the Rams did a great – because they have a great quarterback. I mean, I think he made a great trade. And, oh, sure. You know, I, I think the problem was, you know, maybe he could have gotten more if, if Cleveland would have been more – had a sense of urgency to get something done. Well, and, and also, I mean, RG3 said this on this podcast, Lombo, uh, months ago when he was on. I, I asked him uh, of the veterans that he has sought their counsel um, that uh, what's the one thing that he took away from them the most? And he said they all told him – veteran quarterbacks have told him – do not be shy about telling your offensive coordinator about what you're comfortable running. Right. And clearly they have manifested that 
into that offense. That, that takes confidence. It's easy to say for a veteran guy to sure. get that confidence. Sure. And I think that's where the maturity and the confidence level you see in RG3. Mm-hmm. Real quick then, in the few top minutes I have left with you here, the AFC, it just appears that it's going to be a four-team a four-team. Yeah. Uh, bracket in the playoffs right that do you see indianapolis pittsburgh or cincinnati uh or let's say even miami snuck in they they can't go into new england or denver or if baltimore slips up and and win a a wild card game right i I think if pittsburgh if pittsburgh gets in and ben's healthy they can do anything they want to do they're the wild they've played great. that's a big if though man i mean i know we're talking i don't know if he can get healthy i agree with you i think i I think if they play him this week and he's less than 100 percent, i'm not sure why they're doing it because all they just have to do is just get in the tournament. I mean, they've proven that they can win from the six hole with Ben Roethlisberger before. Right. I mean, that so has happened. He, of those other teams, the Colts, the Dolphins, those to me are not legitimate playoff teams. But the Steelers, aha, uh-huh, they are. But the, that that quarterback has to play. That offensive line is really bad right now. Whether Mike Adams plays or not, they're mm-hmm. bad. They're, you know, Willie Colon leads the league in holding penalties. It's not a good group right now, and it really makes it very difficult. And they turn the ball over. I mean, it's remarkable, Rich, that they turn the ball over eight times, seven of them in their own, on their own field, on their own side of the field, and the Browns only score 20 points. Well, I mean, have you I, – I don't know if I've seen if this is a stat or not, that has a team ever suffered – uh, four running backs, four different running backs, each fumbling once. They all did. It went right it's, down the depth chart, actually. It, it actually went down the depth chart. It went Rashard Mendenhall, then Isaac Redman, then Jonathan Dwyer, and then the kid from Florida, uh, Rainey. Rainey. He put it on the turf. They literally yeah, went right down the depth chart. And then when they weren't putting it on the turf, uh, Charlie uh, Batch was throwing Phil Necro like knuckleballs. <laughs> I told Phil Sims today on Inside the NFL on Showtime, you could throw it better. And and, and, I, and I think Phil – and I wasn't being – I wasn't knocking Phil. I think clearly that uh, he could have thrown it better than, than, than what Charlie Batch did. Charlie Batch is – I don't know how he didn't get blitzed on every play. There was no way he could ever make a play in the passing game. Now, before I let you go, Lombo, we have your preseason picks. Remember you came on our show? Oh, God. The week before the preseason you, – you, I'll stand and take it. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not, not as bad not as you bad. think. It's not not as bad as you think. Yeah, some of them. Not as bad. <laughs> you don't remember Law, you don't remember who his running back No, I got it. Was? I got you it. Do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's start with uh well first of all his your your Super Bowl prediction preseason still very much alive. The Harbaugh. So, sort of like sort of like Don So no no, sort of yeah, sort of like Don Corleone after uh, Salazzo went after him. Still alive. <laughs> Still, he took I ten bullets, and he's still alive. And you make that deal. See, I talk. I, I talk the language. You understand, Lombo. Absolutely. You've got the hardball, and that's still quite a lot. Still very much alive. Very much alive. I think San Francisco is going to be the hardest team to beat in the tournament on the NFC side, without a doubt, right now. The way they're playing. And what if Ray comes back? Like they're talking. I mean, well, you know, Baltimore's defense has played well the last. I say they're better without him. Yeah. Well, they've played well the last couple of weeks. It's their offense that has been disappointing. Oh, you know, they can't they do it on a road, man. It's unbelievable that that quarterback would be somebody's preseason MVP. Yeah, that choice. transitions nicely to our next segue <laughs> of uh, MVP for the year. And who, did that, who did Lombo say? I was really doing good in September. I thought I had it locked. Joe Flacco. Yeah, that's not happening. That, that's your worst one. Say it ain't so, <laughs> Joe. That's <laughs> you. Um, yeah, I, you know, hey, look, you got to take some chances. It's like, you know, I'm like a center fielder in baseball. If you don't get it to any balls, you can't make any errors. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think if Flacco goes on a run, um, if, if he goes on a run, they re-sign him, right? If he doesn't, is it possible he's, oh, he's somewhere else? Him. Yeah, they're, they're re-signing, re-signing him, him with or without the run because you have to finish the sentence. Who's going to replace him? 
Oh, I mean, I just gave you. I mean, you yeah, know, Kansas know. City, all these other teams would want Joe Flacco. They take they him in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay. Um, His uh, coach of the year also resides in Baltimore. John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh. That's a good okay. one still. Okay. Which was shifted. He originally went Pagano when he thought it was rookie coach of the year. Now, do you think, Lombo, it's possible? They should, I already told some people who have this vote, including Peter King, please split your coach of the year vote between Arians and Pagano. Uh, you know, Rich, I, I, I think Bruce has done a remarkable it's job. It's unbelievable. It, and he's done it. he's done it in terms of leading the team, coaching the offense, and paying respect to the guy he's walking in. And that's a delicate balance to have. Very. You know, and I think he's done, you know, he's kept the light on. They, they've done everything to make Chuck be a part of it. And there's such a, a sense to me, I, I've been really impressed with Bruce Aarons. Beyond. Him, so. I, I, I 100% every syllable you just said, back it up. Uh, who, what else? Uh, his, his rushing champion, he had uh, Arian Foster, Namaste, who's second right now. Behind Adrian behind Peterson. Behind Adrian Peterson currently. Close. Never, this Adrian Peterson comeback is remarkable. It's unbelievable, it's, isn't it's, it? It's beyond remarkable. Nobody could have. I mean, who could have predicted this? Nobody. I mean, not even Lee Majors could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Adrian has been rebuilt. We don't believe with anything bionic inside, though. He doesn't wear a knee brace. That is unbelievable. It's ridiculous. And, but he did, he did miss the bus, though. What was that all about, Steve? Yeah. Uh, Mike? He got, he I got know. a cab. But, you know, speaking of that, I mean, how does, you know, people say you can't chew gum and play at the same How does Cam, just getting off the subject here, I wanted to ask. No, you, I noticed that, too. How does Cam Newton chew gum and play it? How does he chew that orange gum all the time? He doesn't wear a that. mouthpiece, but he chews gum. Yeah, I mean, how is that player safety friendly? That is a good question. I don't know. I'll tell you what. And plus, shouldn't right? it, plus if he chews gum, shouldn't he have it for all twenty-one other people on the field? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you think that that would be fair? I mean, I would be only. Fair. I mean, come on. Um, and hang up on whoever that is, Law. Come Te- on, telemarketers calling. All right, and then oh, really? Yeah, I thought we would be on a do not call list here at the NFL Network. Um, and Adrian Peterson, oh gosh, dude, isn't that amazing? He's almost 200 yards in Just front a little, of Yeah, a little under 200 of Aaron in front. Foster. And the last one was, who is the passing champion? And his passing champ, who is the current leader, Mr. Uh, Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, really? Aaron Rodgers is and the I, passer leader. Is Aaron's he really? Gonna, I think yeah. Aaron's going to have to keep throwing it because they still don't have a running Actually, game. Actually, no, excuse me. He's not. not. He's, he's not. not. Stafford. Stafford is. That, which would wrong. be Brockman's. It's Brockman's. You're looking at passer rating. Twelfth. Aaron actually. Rodgers is pass rating. Aaron Rodgers is a uh, uh, passer rating number one. Uh, he's twelfth in passing yards. Um, I don't worry. I'm sitting on on Rodgers too. Uh, I might actually get one right since my rushing champ. Yeah, your rushing champ is Lashawn McCoy. No, right? no, that's lost. That's, that's lost. Mine is, mine is even worse. Darren McFadden. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, Mike. Really appreciate your thoughts. Rich, thank you. Can you Have believe a great we trip? Can you believe we just tomorrow night? Thank you. Can you believe we just had a whole week twelve chat? We were sort of cowboy free right there. Can you oh, believe that? Amazing. Well, you know, we, we, did we, it. we can always come back to it. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> we'll be back on the saddle. If you're having no. trouble sleeping, put the cowboy offense on. It'll put you right in. Oh, <laughs> please tip there your waitress. He'll be at NFL Films all week. We'll see you at first on the field, Mike. All right. Thanks, Mike. There you go. Michael Lombardi, everybody. First on the field at, uh, 9 a, at 7 a.m. Eastern Very time early. every Sunday. Very, Very early. early. Very early. That was fun. Boy, man. He, we could go, I could go another half an hour. Oh, it's with so that. easy. You guys brought up the Cam Newton Easily. thing. Um, I don't know if you saw too on Thanksgiving Day. I think RG three basically took his helmet off with both chin straps uh, buckled. I mean, how is that player safety? How is your helmet fitting you properly when you have all four buckles buckled and you can slide your helmet off? I mean, I think that's a big issue when it comes to player safety. Yeah. Is players wearing the proper size helmets, having them fit correct? It's, it's just never discussed. And I know or some about. some players don't wear mouthpieces, but to not do it and chew gum while you're playing. 
Well, I guess I noticed that last I'll night, too. I'll take a trip to the orthodontist one day. I guess. Hey, you brought up the Cowboys. Uh, your new avatar, Brockman-inspired with the... Uh, yeah, somebody like Jones. was beasting on you with Geppetto. Uh, remember I mean, that? Seriously, somebody. Well, the cowboy. Hey, no question, was a cowboy fan. That, that well, was yeah, not pleased he, with your. your he was actual. not pleased with my photoshopping abilities, and I was like, "Hey, dude, lighten up. We did it in two minutes on Final Cut." Yeah, somebody <laughs> tweeted me like, "I'm I, I'm not impressed with your Photoshop right. abilities," and I just retweeted that saying, "You can take this lying down at Chris Brock." <laughs> He you ended know. up favoriting my response, so oh, he, he, did. he must not have been too upset. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody was very excited to get a tweet from you today, saying, hey, I got a tweet back from at Chris Brock. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? Because I was, uh, I was, uh, we got an advanced copy of the Barry Sanders of Football Life, yeah. and I watched it uh, last night. Yes. And uh, I was wondering, uh, this guy ended up beating Barry for the high school rushing title in, the, in Wichita, by like 30 yards. And so I was just like, wow, I wonder what this guy's up to right uh-huh, now. Right. And uh, he wrote me back like, oh, you can Google him. He's like a whatever, whatever. Is it, it's, it's like one of those. Uh, Mar- Marcus Dupree? Or, no, 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 no. I was going to actually go. Just like, uh, where are they now? No, do you remember the Robin Williams, Kurt, Kurt Russell um, football movie where they, where they replayed the high school game again? No. You never saw that one? Where, hold on, what's the name of it? It was people who actually know this off the top of their head who are listening right now are like, I know it. Um, you never saw this movie? Robin no. Williams, Kurt Russell, where they, where Ro- the Robin Williams character uh, had a horrible game. Uh, it was their final high school game, and he blew it. And so he wanted to replay the game so, uh, and, and hope for a better result. Like years later? Yes, to relive, and I think that 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 guy in Wichita would love to get the game back on. Yeah, so well, he could, oh, I'm sure because he's the guy who outrushed for Barry Sanders. I'm sure. Right? Actually, I can tell you his name. And and somebody uh, somebody tweeted back was like, "Oh, you guys should get him on the podcast or something." Is that right? Maybe yeah. not. Nah. Hold on, I'm still going back. The Dead Poets Society. We definitely know that wasn't it. Uh, the guy's name Josh Charles. The Dead best Poets of times. He played Jack Dundee in the best of times. There you go. A small town loser determines to have one more shot at the big time by winning a football game is the description. Awesome. And I don't mean to call this guy a small town loser. <laughs> no. But I didn't I mean, know that yeah. analogy. I would be making that before this seeing guy, the words a small this town loser. Way to go, Rich. You just lost a follower. <laughs> this guy's name is Brad Weason, uh-huh. and uh, he rushed for – he beat Barry Sanders. He ran for 1,450 yards his senior year. Well, I guess in this analogy, Barry Sanders would be the uh, Robin Williams character to try and get the game back on so he'd have a better result. Right. Um, but, yeah, he played Jack Dundee. Kurt Russell was in it. I did, oh, I did screw gosh. that up, though. Mike Kurt Cameron was in it. Everybody. Mike Needham tweeted me about, and he was pumped to get a response. He was responding to a Seinfeld quote that I ah, had earlier. There we go. It was around the same time. What, and, uh, you want, and you want to be my latex <laughs> That's my line, that's my line for you all the time because you always screw stuff up. So, um, oh, please. There, there. I don't know if you guys have any other housekeeping items, but this one could not be any bigger because on Wednesday, the punters are people two movement oh. had its to date pinnacle moment. I, I, to me, there is no ceiling for this movement, as you know. Of course not. There's I nowhere to go. This, but so this is up. New, news to me. There's nowhere to, to go but up. But everybody should you know check out. My timeline or that of the Baltimore Ravens timeline at Ravens tweeting out a photograph of Sam Cook, the punter, wearing his new punters or people to shirt, people to T-shirt with Ed freaking Reed wearing his. Nice. Please I- go to richeisen.nfl.com 
to see this photograph or go to the Ravens timeline or mine. Or mine. I retweeted it. Because if you remember, when Sam Cook, the punter of the Baltimore Ravens, up a gajillion points on the Raiders, faked the field goal, and from his holding position ran one into the end zone and spiked the ball, people went up to Ed Reed after the game and asked him what he thought of Sam's touchdown run slash celebration, to which Ed Reed replied, quote-unquote, punters are people too. Ed knows. Ed's a friend of this program. Indeed. Long-time friend of this program. Loaded. So once that happened, once that happened, two T-shirts went straight to one winning drive, as they call that it. Is, that is their address. That's yes, right. Indeed. Every time we get a PR email. Indeed. To the uh, um, Under Armour Performance Center, which is what I believe they call their Taj Mahal-like facility. Yeah. And uh, both of them wore it. Ravens took a picture of it. I want to thank uh, Ravens intern. I want to get his name correct. Um, Ravens intern Billy Jones, the hero of the Punters Are People 2 movement for the moment, took those T-shirts, gave them to the intended parties, had them pose, photographed it, and tweeted it out. And I'll tell you what, big moment for this movement. Big moment. Big moment for this movement. So you got Pat McAfee on board too, right? Pat McAfee's on board. We won his ass over too. Nice. <laughs> yeah. the, As the, the you pu- know, he was uh, he was a little iffy when this thing started. Little iffy. Who's gave f- it to him in person in Jacksonville? Who's the Falcons punter? Because the Saints should already have one. Um, right from the Saint. Yeah, Thomas Morstead was the first. The first one. The first. To have it. I don't know who the Falcons punter is. Oh, well, well, well. The first to have it was the Jaguars. Well, Brian, sure, of course. Right. Brian Anger. The, fir- the first yes, in this Brian Anger was, night. you know, Brian Anger. He's the, he's the OG. Of, he is the OG. Right. He is the George Washington. He is, Absolutely. He is the first ape in... <laughs> okay. Yeah. The first... Uh, Our Buzz Aldrin? Yes. Yes. No. Well, he's the Neil no. Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Buzz Aldrin. Well, Thomas, Aldr- Aldr- Thomas Morstead would be the Buzz Aldrin. The right. Buzz Aldrin. Right. <laughs> go, Another go back American to your RST. No, here. that was no RSTLNE analogy no, there. No, that was, that was, the, that was your two date pinnacle there. The but way. at any rate, okay, come on. Punters are people too. You want that t shirt? Go to puntersarepeople2.com. End of the year. Nice fat checks going to the ASPCA. I love after Ed, the, we're, I love we're Ed gathering all this over his sweatshirt. <laughs> it's great. Well, yeah, he's, well, he's just, you know, he's the best. That's the best. Ed Reed, everybody. Wearing his punters are people. People two T-shirt proudly. We got a. Unfortunately, the one that that Ray Lewis got post game of uh, the Browns Ravens Thursday night game way back in October. Uh, unfortunately, that was just an extra large. It doesn't fit him. It doesn't fit. We got to send him a bigger one. So at, uh, at I don't know if you recall at Hall of Fame, I, we were trying to track down Jan Stenerud because we had for one kickers. We have kickers one. We still do. I still one. have it. I still have it. It's we, in red. We got to mail that to him. We got to get hit, that mailed off to him and sent because he's you know the what only we gotta one do? in the Here's hall. What we got to do too. We got to send that T-shirt to Ray Guy. Ray Guy. Ray Guy. Right. How big, how, how, I mean, is, would there be a, any bigger moment for a punter? A bigger punter moment? Because I'll tell you what my goal is, and I don't care I'm announcing it. You know where we're going next week for Thursday Night Football. Leckler's going to get one next week. Ah. Okay. And whoever the Broncos punter is, <laughs> okay, I don't know this my, stuff off the top bad. of my head. He's going to get one. But you know who else is getting one? This is the mother load. Peyton Manning. If Peyton Manning holds up a punters or people two t shirt, 
if he wears one, does it get any better than that? He's going to autograph I mean, it for Jamal Charles. The question, <laughs> uh-oh. 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 Can we get I had the no issue is, with that, What would be way. bigger for him? What would be bigger for Peyton Manning? I understand a fifth MVP award might be bigger. Maybe. Uh, a second Lombardi trophy capping in this comeback. Maybe, maybe two million free pizzas. Maybe. Might be bigger than a Punters or People 2 t-shirt in, in uh, an ash gray. But it's going to be close. It'll be close. Down to the water. We can't say neck and neck. No. That's a bad, that would be a hard We got to get an option. orange crush one made for him. And the orange? And yeah, the orange or the blue? one special orange one made? Let's call Alex Ali right now. Let's get that one. It's, if it's orange, I feel like Let's call him it right definitely now. increases our chances of being worn. Yeah. Okay. I'm on it. Is Peyton a 2X? I got to go 2X. Yeah, I think so. Larger than you think. He's, he's a big I mean, 6'5". Dude, he's huge. He's a yeah. big man. He's got to fit in those Buicks. But it's closer to the wheel than the Shaq one. Right. Shaq's way back there, man. Does That that doesn't uh, clash with our sponsor, our presenting sponsor, does it? Um, Let's not say that word again. Yeah, that's, a, that's the, bad. the B word is, is not. Yeah, uh, the C word here. Wait a minute. It's Chevy. Chevy. Everybody stand down. Stand down. Um, what else? Anything? Well, this one has to search and scramble for an international shout out. I know. I got, I got one locked oh, and loaded. So uh, in your face, Law. Nice. Uh, one other thing, too, if you liked, uh, I'm going to do my company man speech here. If you liked what Lombardi had to say. He's yeah, what a, is this? He's got he's his got column? A, yeah, he's got his column up on NFL.com right now. It's his front office view on how the Panthers should move forward in 2013. There you go. And then he's also talking about things he loved, which were the Jags, uh, Ryan Tannehill and the Falcons, things he hated, Charlie Batch, which you mentioned on this program, yes. the Cardinals and Chargers, and then just some other notes on the Niners QB situation, the Pax defense, the Chiefs, and more. That's so a grab bag of Lombo. Absolutely. Check out his column. It's good stuff. There you go. International shout-out of the week. I'm going to butcher this guy's name, and I apologize. Teme Saarinen from Finland. Is it from South Park? From Finland, everybody. Teme? I used to love John Anderson at ESPN would do. John Anderson is a great sports center anchor. Whenever Tim Duncan would score, he would always go, Tim, Tim, Tim. Tim Saarinen. He says, special thanks for the super Thanksgiving podcast, Priceless. Hashtag Finland. The Megapod went over well. It was good. Did it? Good, yeah. Went over good well. numbers? Still, still checking out the numbers. Yeah, they're still coming out. I know. Out, well, actually. it's promoted on iTunes all week. Yep. Uh, up on iTunes all week. It's the holiday special. Well, it should get a nice number of downloads since it got the most publicity ever for who's not on it. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, this, this podcast has never gotten more publicity. Than it did last week for I don't who's re- not on I don't it. Well, remember you know, who's on, Rich. You know what we haven't discussed no. is the other guest who, who who wasn't on it that we were going to mention that you mentioned elsewhere. Yes, I did. I did mention that. We might as well mention it So we might as well here. mention it on here. Elmo. So we had Elmo. We did have Elmo all teed up for a cold open, as they say in the business, which is before the credits roll to start the show. It's, uh, it's a, a scene or... A discussion or something that comes out of nowhere. That's why it's called a cold open. The show opens out of the cold. Come up from the previous show, fade to black. Boop, show comes up, and it's not the credits. It's something. It's called a cold open, this business, for the TV term. And, and we it, had one with Elmo, and, and it was it spectacular. it was hilarious. hilarious. And it was taped over a mo- like a month and a half ago. ago. A while, in the, two in, months ago, probably. Well, he was here doing the game day morning stuff. Right. Um, Kevin Clash in and Elmo. In September. Right, in September. And, uh, and, and, and who in the world, when we taped it, thought it would be unusable by the time it would be time to amazing to air it so the fact that we got that up and going 
Good stuff. Some, some, some might uh, say this we... Thanksgiving special was doomed, but... <laughs> it still came <laughs> off, man. It's, we, it's still alive! <laughs> it took three bullets! <laughs> but thought, it was still alive! Two we segments were... <laughs> took bullets! <laughs> but it was still alive! We did it. I love that scene from The Godfather. So, uh, who's, who's, the, who's the international shout-out again? Tim A. From man, where? My man from Finland. International shout-out to Finland. International shout-out to Why Finland. Not? Great Why not? Great way to finish it. Bad pun. Wow. That was brutal. That was bad. Do we want to, uh, you want to, for the last days of Movember, give uh, a little pop to how it can raise some I money? Want, yeah. I want to know why you trimmed it. Well, look. Because it was like, seriously, it, was, it, it made it, yeah, it, it, it made get, Andy Reid so, and Wilford Brimley's we'll mustache look like Clark three Gables. days to go. Like, like why not just ride we're, it out? We're watching the Michigan-Ohio State game. I got cream cheese in there from 45 <laughs> minutes before. <laughs> I'm getting, you, had to, you, had to, so you had to do something. I'm about. getting ripped on right and left. So, so Movember, raising money and awareness for, for, yeah, for prostate men, for cancer. Yeah, for health, prostate right, cancer. Health, right, uh, yeah. I believe if you go to uh, Movember.com and you just search... Uh, Topher Law is back for this because someone's squatting on Chris Law for November. <laughs> so uh, if you search I don't know Topher if Alex Law, Alley can help you with you that. You can huh? donate uh, T O P H E R L A W. You can donate to my team. It's uh, a bunch of guys from back home in State College that uh, put it together, and I'm I'm on their team. And uh, yeah, donate, we raise money, and the NFL uh, matches your donation because Fantastic. they're a great institution. Let's do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, Chris Law. Thank you, at Chris Law. Oh, and also, we got a new segment coming up in the next two weeks. Rich doesn't know about this. It's going to be a new thing to him. Neither do you, Brockman. But we're having a little bit of fun. Um, We're going to introduce a segment on on this podcast called uh, Guest Who. And uh, we have a guest phoning in. There will be a little bit of voice manipulation going on, and you're going to try and guess who the guest is. Guest who? Guest who. They've been on the show before. Now, I don't understand. The king of meetings... The king of planning, the king of Microsoft Outlook, let's meet for five minutes, but I'll send one of those Outlook check yay or nay, request yes, denied or whatever, right, yeah, right. for five minutes. That guy springs something on during the broadcast At, at the 1159 uh, yeah, like I'm already going through <laughs> right. my farewell. Right. This is post-international shout-out, which any ordinary regular listener of this podcast knows it's time to, let me just check... How much time is left? If certainly, if you've been enjoying this, and time has flown. What's up with guest who? Guess I mean, two. it sounds fun. Sounds fun. Yeah, uh, it's going to be. Uh, we'll have a. a, a I'm going to try and make this a, you know, once a month maybe thing. Do me a favor. Yes. Because you're saying it's a surprise to me. It's a surprise to you. The first guest who. Okay. Cannot be Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, nor, All right. Nor, nor can it be Chris Tucker. Okay. Um, but uh, say no more. Say no more. Just that's all I ask of you. I will do my best to okay. make sure that it is not him. Okay, but that sounds fun. But that's uh, going to happen two in, the next, weeks? in the next week Why can't or two? next week? Uh, hey, these things don't happen overnight. I gotta, Dude, it's called a phone. It's called yeah. a phone. What do you mean it can't, it can't happen? I've got to manipulate some voices. I've got to test some software out. This is a, this this is, is a mess. This is a big thing. We've got to get Caliendo on the phone it's to do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, at Chris Law. You guess keep, who. Okay, guess who. I don't have Still a new come. segment that I'm going to spring yeah, on you right what, now. What have you been up Maybe to? Maybe I'll think of one for next week. <laughs> at Chris Brockman, at Chris Law, for at the Eisen Podcast, I'm at Rich Eisen, presented by Chevy, signing off. Stay listening, friends.